And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Perform on the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, a podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team, hosted by me, John Greenberg, and the newly vacationing James Fegan. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. Currently have a $1 monthly promo for a subscription. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Southside. So, James, the news that everyone is dealing with right now in the country, the White Sox have lost their best of three wildcard series. Um, people are upset. They're arguing the hows and whys. So, let's roll through. What happened in game three? What, what do you think was what was the most pivotal moment in a game full of I mean, it was a wild game. A lot of stuff happened, a lot to unpack. You know, what was your what were some of your biggest takeaways while watching it? Sorry, I'm struggling to hear you. The ice cubes in my Mai Tai are clinking together too loudly. <laughs> and it's uh <laughs> I mean, the literal game was decided by, you know, that Chad Pender like single getting through the infield. So I guess that's like an easy selection. But um I suppose like a lot of the game could be just coming in and bringing your most trusted relievers uh, and having them kind of, I don't know, beat around the bush a little bit. <laughs> and that was probably climax when he, Rick Renner, brought in Matt Foster, who was, you know, just absolutely excellent all season, uh, kind of out of nowhere. And he's kind of thinking he can, just for the sake of getting Rodon out of there. <laughs> He'll walk the bases loaded because he can trust Foster to get it, and Foster comes and then walks two runs in, and that that's in a in a game where so many other kind of um, safety bridges are kind of broken. <laughs> that was like one more that they just really couldn't afford. I mean, you really kind of saw the plan kind of break apart uh, fully after that. I mean, if because if he had continued operating under the standard that he had been under. Evan Marshall wouldn't have pitched two innings because Evan Marshall had a first rough first inning. He was pulling everybody at the first sign of trouble all game. But at that point, it's just like that that was the sixth inning as well as it went. And the fact that Jimmy Cordero pitched in the game and did great. But those are both like that's that clearly wasn't the plan. That is really like we just needed an inning. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to go well, but at this point, we're out of options type of choice. And the fact that they're still in it to go to column A at the eighth is. Um, kind of a surprise, but that was when really they were no longer shuffling between good options and just kind of starving. Yeah, I mean, we got to, you know, I mean, obviously you and I both wrote about this last night. We used some of the same funny quotes. Um, let's talk about Ricky's World Baseball Classic inspiration, which really came out of left field because 
you know, we're talking about the strategy, uh, which he had no interest in, <laughs> in really debating at that point, which I don't blame him. Uh, but l- towards the end of his press conference, a writer asked him if this was the most difficult game he's ever managed. And it's kind of a funny question. If It's a normal question, for sure. Um, but it's kind of a funny question because Ricky had never really managed an important game until recently. You know, all his his major league managing was with until this season was with rebuilding teams that had, you know, no important games, truly. I don't even think in the minors he had too many winning teams. Um, so th- this, of course, was by default kind of the most the most important he's ever managed. Um, I, I don't Ricky know what po- that minor league playoff game stress level is like, but I imagine it's less than this. <laughs> Especially when he did it. Like back then, there was no streaming. So like it probably wasn't even on the, local TV. There's no chance it was on. It was on local radio, and that's it. And like yeah. the major league staff probably didn't even know it was happening. Um, so yeah, so you know, we're asking about this, and Ricky pulls out the 2013 World Baseball Classic when he managed uh, Mexico, Team Mexico, and there was a big game against Team Canada. And as I as I noted, that was also that game is only famous because a huge brawl ensued that's that literally spread to the crowd at Chase Field. It was like a movie. It's like a movie when fans start fighting. Uh, but Ricky remembers it because he left, as you wrote, you left Marco Estrada in too long and, and he really wishes he would have pulled him earlier. That was weird. That was weird, but it was also like the most telling moment and. Right. People were kind of like, why did he make this weird deviation? I was like, well, that, that kind of totally explained what he was thinking, that he had yeah. this previous instance where he was haunted by um, just feeling like he should have been quicker on the trigger in a, a, a big game. And that, that clearly influenced the way he operated the entire game was that he was not like no one pitched out of their own jam of their own making remotely uh, at any point until he just t- sort of totally ran out of arms. And I... In a vacuum, I don't have a big problem with that. Um, and in a vacuum, I don't have a problem with like Aaron Bummer pitching the second, I suppose, if you really feel like the game needs to be addressed. At, if you think any jam needs to be addressed as quick as it can, you know, bring out your best dude. But in combination, that that policy of we're just going to keep running guys out of here the moment they run into trouble and using so many of your top sediments so early um, – I felt like they were probably they wound up in the situation they're reliant on Rodon and Foster to get out of an inning because you've already burned through Aaron Bummer with like no no leash whatsoever. Because if if there's a guy in that bullpen that I think you just kind of have to be a little bit um, satisfied to die with, even though he hasn't looked su- the like absolute most sharp command since he came back from his injury, I would think Bummer would be one of those guys. You know, and Marshall would probably be the other, but, um, you know, we talk about how there's some level of satisfaction in that you got Jose Abreu up in the the big situation in the eighth inning and he just didn't come through. And, you know, the same thing kind of happened in game two where you got Abreu up in a chance to win the game and he didn't come through. And, you know, if if that doesn't happen, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Um, I think there'd be more satisfaction losing with Bummer getting extended than, you know, having an inning break open with Matt Foster and Carlos Rodon. James, let's take a little break, and then we'll be back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and I mean, I know some of the big questions is, is just the way he used guys. And Ricky explained, like like you were mentioning, that he wanted to make sure they held them down early so the Sox could possibly get a lead and then hold it. I understand the reasoning, you know, and I also don't really agree with it. And people that know a lot more about baseball um, definitely didn't agree with it. You know, I, I think pretty – I mean, Dave Fleming and Jessica Mendoza were – not, I mean, obviously they haven't managed Major League Baseball games before, but they they didn't quite get it. Uh, Frank, who obviously, listen, we're not going to trust Big Hurt's uh, bullpen management, <laughs> you know, strategies and philosophies. But he was he was fired up. Ozzy was being political on the show and not not really killing Ricky post game, but he didn't get it either. It was just, it didn't seem like the best kind of strategy, and it definitely seemed like the kind of it's a kind of thing like where, yeah, you get it, but you leave yourself so open to bad things happening that it's ripe for second guessing. And like, you know, there's people in the comment section of your story saying Ricky's got to get fired. And you're like, listen, he's not getting fired. And people are using my, my some I wrote saying that I don't think he's getting fired either. I would be absolutely 100% shocked, like as shocked as anything if he did. But this sets the ground. This is kind of the seeds being planted of Ricky one day you know, losing his job because of what has stuff, something that happens in the playoffs, because people in the front office are, as you know, James, furiously texting each other. They're as critical as anyone. They know more than we do. So they're critical about stuff we're not even critical on. And this is the kind of stuff that, that really gets nervous GMs and baseball's vice presidents angry. Yeah, I, I would think the, the position people wanted Renneria to be in going into this season in terms of, well, do you need a guy to take the next step type situation? Those type of questions being asked, maybe now they're present um, going into next season. Because you, I, it really was too early to ask it this, this offseason because um, he had never gotten a, a team before. Well, now he has, and you've seen how, he, how he's handled it a little bit. And you know that, that that's informative and and now you can talk about some things that maybe need to be done better or uh, corrections need to be altered or speak to him about how he handle it and how well or not well it aligned with the organizational strategy and whatnot now you now you actually have kind of some precedent to go off of i don't think it's going to be a one-and-done situation but now he's starting to build that resume of knowing what he does do with a contending team in the playoffs and knowing how they handle it i don't think you can just say uh well he was bad at the last week and a half of the Rona ball season. And that means he'll never do well. Um, but th this would be starting to actually build a precedent that people are talking about. The Carlos Rodon stuff. 
man, he really showed a lot of trust in Rodon. <laughs> I know it was out of necessity because of the arms you have. Uh, but man, I mean, was it? Rodon like, it wasn't out? the most shallow bullpen of all time. No, <laughs> they had it like wasn't. four or five right. guys they really trusted. And guys with stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're just throwing slop out there. Um, but man, he shows a lot of trust in Rodon for a guy that's. I mean, he's, he's getting non-tendered this offseason, right? Yeah, I, I have to think like he's most likely thrown his last pitch. <laughs> and it was... And, and also, <laughs> like, you you had the whole thing of, well, we tried him out in Cleveland to find out now if he can handle this um, bef- rather than finding out in the playoffs. But then he didn't handle it in Cleveland, and then he didn't handle it in the playoffs, and you used him anyway. So, like, that's your... Setting up your own words to be used against you a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't. Yeah, he pitched like one and two thirds scoreless, and after the Sox fell down six nothing in the season finale, but I didn't realize that was uh that was the high leverage proof uh, needed to to throw him into this one. But um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. That that's probably the most area that I would say ripe for criticism. But also, um, you know, the the front office put Rodon on the playoff roster after what he had done right. um, in, in the season. They did not put Ronaldo Lopez. So it, it, I don't feel like it was just Ricky going rogue and saying Carlos Rodon's going to pitch in the playoffs. No, and, and r- this would have been the game Lopez could have pitched, you know, after starting. Right. This Especially like one- in that capacity. Exactly. That's why I was like, you know, and, and I brought that. I didn't bring it up really, but I tweeted that that I was kind of surprised Rodon's on and Lopez wasn't, just because I felt like Lopez could be the long guy at the end. Um, and, and cro- the crochet thing, I get it. I mean, totally putting crochet in there is, you know, Ricky said that was the plan. They had even like when they were, you know, brainstorming, mapping out stuff that could happen. That was something they thought about, you know. And people brought up, and this is just pure speculation, but. You know, that did he have enough time to warm up? You know, did was he really ready? Did he have enough time as a guy, as a young guy? I mean, I guess they like that he's just throwing bullets, but he came in and he was immediately, you know, slightly less than, you know, what he's done before. Did that have a factor into it? I get I don't think we could know, but you know, I think it's it's definitely as speculation goes, valid. I mean, if your elbow goes because you didn't warm up fast enough, when you did get to warm up <laughs> at least a little bit. You probably weren't pitching 200 innings in 2021. Probably not. That's they, – they sound – I didn't hear that part. He sounded um, – He sounded optimistic. Uh, okay. He, he said like there was so much body language debate over like, oh, Crochet looked right in the dugout. He knew it like it happened and also like, oh, he didn't look that bothered. And Renneria said that um, – you know, he, he that he didn't even complain that they even they just solely went out there based off the velocity being down, and it was only after he went in that he kind of talked about like, yeah, there's a little bit of tightness in my forearm. So that could easily be the, you know, forearm strain type of situation where it, you know shuts him down for a couple of weeks, and then by spring he's mostly full go. But it's also the 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 more you cover baseball, the more you uh, stop assuming that you know. Uh, somebody's MRI results uh, based off his body language on the mound because you know everybody's different. And then there's Eloy. It was really like a real our our uh, it was a real our pets heads are falling off type of vibe there when Eloy pulled up after doubling with with you know obviously his foot didn't miraculously heal after spraining it in Cleveland. 
but he did he did get a double. Yeah, he looked fluid running in, but uh, he kind of pulled up. I guess that's kind of the worst result for him to have an extra base hit of any kind. Um, I mean, right. that run scored, so it's not like he didn't contribute anything, but uh, uh, it seemed like the way to actually keep him healthy was for him to hit. Uh, maybe go one for four with a bomb uh, was probably what they're hoping for to, to really maintain him. Um, but... I mean, and it was a quote that probably made everyone think he wasn't going to play at all pregame was Tim Anderson saying like, yeah, we have to win so we can buy him some time because it seemed like everyone knew that he was, it's a generally a two to four week injury from my experience. I mean, uh, Byron Buxton had it in um, summer camp, uh, our our Dan Hayes was saying, and it it took him out for at least two weeks and really a little bit longer before he was full speed. So, I mean, Eloy was not probably calling the outfield anytime uh soon in these playoffs yeah it's at least we can talk about one positive to make people happy here before they start drinking is uh luis robert hit a legitimate 487 foot home run that's like one of the you know a lot of times i'm bad at judging distance because you see guys crush home runs you're like wow that was so far and it's like 420 this was like 487 and you're like okay that made sense yeah both um the fact a ball that's like a no doubter, but it's like yanked pull side really hard will often like look longer than the numbers find up turning it out. Like you can hit a ball like way past the seats if you dead pull it though, but it's it could only be like 400 feet. This, this was like left center, but also just seemed like it, it nearly like cleared Mount Davis or something insane. Like it was, just truly gargantuan and it's kind of um i don't know it was probably a stupid question for me to ask like do you think you're out of your slump at the end of the season uh to start out the the post game with robert but it was it really interests me like watching him the last three games it looked like he he was uh he had come out of a month-long slump and in a normal season um you know him as a rookie having just one bad month would have been totally uh totally normal and he could have like snapped out of it and you know one rookie of the year over that 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 scoundrel kyle lewis in seattle but instead we got this last three game snapshot of him looking normal again is all we get you think he'll want to go play winter ball now to keep it rolling <laughs> i think uh there are tens of millions of dollars that would keep the white Sox from <laughs> allowing that to happen i i you know, listen osney again could use some thump in his uh colombian league uh team <laughs> Jeez, that would be that would be homicide. <laughs> Listen, Edgar Renteria could offer him a decent amount of money, or or Orlando Cabrera to play there. Uh, but yeah, you know what? It, like you said, it, right? It's not. Is it the most important thing? No, but that he ended it like that, you know, is good for him. One, and in some ways, for fans, the fans' collective psyche. You know, that's something positive to go into the offseason with that. OK, Luis Roberts, not like not that ever anyone imagined that kind of slump was going to carry on to next year. But it was a nice way to kind of end things because he's so important. And the fact that, you know, it was kind of a downer that he, he finished the season like he finished it. I mean, I had some fans saying like, oh, I really don't know what his future looks like uh, in the comments and I had to kind of hold myself back on the being like, what are you nuts? Like, um, he, he's, he's as sure of a bet 
or as good of a bet um, on their young core as anybody else. I'd probably be more concerned, like, does Yohan Mankata look significantly different um, next year? Um, you know, does, does does he just kind of shake off this, uh, you know, pandemic? Um, and, and how much did you maybe waste the last great year of Jose Abreu that you're really, truly going to get? Be sort of the more existential questions I would that would keep me up at night if I were a White Sox fan, then, um, you know, is Luis Robert going to figure it out at age 24? All right, let's pause right here, and then we'll finish up the show. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey, guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You and I were kind of, not you and I, but I was definitely chuckling. I don't want to indict you um, at some of the post-game questions of people just wanting like to set a, you know, like, hey, how great was this season? Because it didn't really feel like that was the moment for it. You know, I know you kind of, people always want to ask those questions and it, it was a good season. You can't say this was like a disaster. Obviously, there's a, you know, it's a young team, a lot of talent. This was just supposed to be kind of a starting off point. It just seemed a little weird to to be kind of pivoting to that moment after the way that game went. But it's a day later. We're on a podcast. So let's talk about the season a little bit and, and just the positives and the negatives. Like where, I guess what are, let's think of like a few positives and if, well, we can think of a million positives, but there's also some, some warning signs going into next season. You know, what is Michael Kopech going to do? What, what kind of pitcher can he be? You know, can't, hopefully can a number three guys, starter at the minimum. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some holes, you know, but there's also a lot of positives this season. So how would you summarize someone met you on the street and you were allowed to talk to them and you didn't, you know, you're six feet away wearing a mask. What would you say? There's clearly a lot of young, like talent in that lineup or a lot of thump in that, that, that lineup in, in general. And theoretically you're going to replace uh, just sub replacement production from DH with Andrew Vaughn. That would be better. Uh, maybe you can go get a real right fielder. That would be nice. And you have the continued maturation of Eloy and Luis Robert. That sounds really cool. Great job. But um, I wouldn't be worried about Tim Anderson. 
but I would say Tim Anderson will be 28 next June. You are not evolving into, you know, it's just going to keep getting better for Tim Anderson. You are in Tim Anderson's prime, and that is Tim An- Tim Anderson's clearly a special pr- player. From now here on out, every year that you don't win with Tim Anderson's prime, you are wasting Tim Anderson's prime. Um, so the so the Sox should trade Tim Anderson for prospects. No, I'm saying like they got a <laughs> there's some urgency going. Um, I mean, sure they could do that. Uh, they probably get great value um, if they don't get stabbed, um, you know, by the fans, not Tim Anderson. Um, Jose Abreu. Obviously, this gives you more optimism for the last two years of his deal than you probably had coming in. But like, it's not reasonable really to expect him to slug six twenty next year. That's probably not going to happen. Um, so you gotta have to kind of guard yourself against the idea of just assuming everything that wasn't as good as it could be will get better, and everything that was as good in twenty twenty will stay the same. Um, so I, 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 my main concern offensively would be guarding against the fact that Jose Bray is just not going to be like, you know, dad's not going to be around forever type of a <laughs> rationalization. But also there's a lot, this rotation needs to be figured out. And yeah, I'd be, I don't think there's any hesitance to just slide Dave Dunning into a rotation slot this year. Even if you didn't like have that ultimate trust for him or any trust for him uh, <laughs> in game three, but you know, he's definitely a back end starter that you feel good about going to the season, just penciling him in and, and not really worrying about that slot. You basically have two rotation slots after that, that, Yes, there are a lot of candidates to come and fill it out. Um, I didn't love how Jonathan Stever looked uh, without vol- good velocity, um, which is what he had when I saw him in Winston-Salem, what he did not have this year. But I certainly wouldn't mind having him compete for a slot. And obviously you are assuming that Michael Kopech is going to come in and you're, you you want a dedicated rotation slot to him. You're not going to have him like you know do the whole AAA thing too much or, or maybe he'll be the five or anything like that. But... Given the lack of stability after Giolito and Keuchel, I wonder if they don't have to um, think about investing in another starter, which stinks because this, they do need – I don't know how much revenue there is for them to spend. Um, I would just assume not much uh, given the way the season went and given the fact there are layoffs in the staff. Um, I think they need to invest in the right fielder, and I don't know how, how much gusto they'll, they'll take toward that. And, you know, guys like James McCann, who just was just gone because he wants, you know, starting level playing time. And also maybe the fact that I don't think it's a great investment to try to, you know, give, you know, 10 to 15 million dollars a year for Alex Colomay's uh, decline phase. That maybe that's an element that you need to figure out a little bit as well as the back end of the bullpen. I think there's obviously a lot of great candidates for that to where most of that's just going to be internal promotion of guys like Hewer and um uh, uh, maybe bummer, but it, that's probably an area of need that needs to be addressed in the offseason as well. Um, it's not like dour, but part of being in, in contention is that you need to remain proactively kind of adding throughout. There's not really like you build and build and build and then your team is done and you just write it out for five years. Uh, there's somebody across town who can tell you about how that goes. Yeah, and that's it'll be in, and some stuff's out of the Sox's control. And I think you know, I don't think we should be making excuses for teams. We have plenty of reporters that <laughs> they'll be willing to do that. Uh, but the, it'll be interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what the market's like, you know, how active teams are this offseason, just because, like you said, there's no revenue, there's no revenue this season. 
you know, we'll see how many fans, you know, kept or even like renewing season tickets or, you know, they'll probably get the option to, to um, delay them a year, I would assume. So it'll be interesting to see what owners want, you know, besides they're cutting these like pretty minuscule salaries on their staffs to see how much owners are willing to invest this TV money they still got in to try and improve your teams. This is actually really for teams willing, you know, and owners willing to kind of shell out some money and take some big losses. You know, there's a lot of opportunity in this market, you know, of buy, you know, buying low. Um, I don't know where the White Sox are in that. You don't either. And they, I don't know, you know, how they could even set, usually budgets are set already. They set them by the end of the, you know, the season or right after the season's over. So I don't even know what, if they could do that right now. I mean, they have to do something, but you know, what will they be able to do? And, and, you know, do they, or will they take advantage of it and honestly trade some guys they have now, you know, and see what they can get in return, you know, as far as guys they can win now with, you know, Michael Kopech's a guy you, you have to wonder, I don't know what his market would be or his value, but you know, would, would he be a guy they'd look to, to trade and find something more, to be honest, more reliable? I I doubt it. I think they're one that they're kind of true believers in him. And on top of that, um, it's it's selling at low value. And I think they feel like they'd both get better value and save money by just developing him and letting right. him pitch and making him into the star that they think they can be. I don't think that I don't I don't think it would be I don't think you're getting an impact level right fielder for a guy that everybody has not really seen pitch much since TJ and now has all these personal questions about. I think you're better off filling one of your rotation slots with him, which would be really expensive to fill from the outside uh, right. rather than than using him for other stuff. Um, I, I think that if you're going to add to this team, I, I think it comes in the form of being ruthless with terms of outgoing guys. I think you don't resign Colomay. I think, you know, McCann's already walking, but I, you know, the whole overpaid McCann to keep him because the chemistry is so good. I, I don't think it happens. Uh, I think guys like Carlos Rodon get non tendered. I think pretty much every option gets declined. Not that there was a strong case for re upping Gio Gonzalez and Carnacion. Uh, you know, C-Check's already out the door. Um, that type of stuff. I, I think they kind of have to be every kind of iffy. Arb situation um, this is probably where they look for savings. I wonder what uh, Ronaldo Lopez's future is um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get much for Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, but I mean, maybe you just decide you're not paying him any arbitration. Right, just save a little bit there. Right. You're right. I mean, there is there is a lot for all the, you know, excitement people have for the core. There's a ton of questions you know, on the outside of it. And that's, I guess, your job to uh, cover this when you're in between my ties, in between, um, what else are you going to do? What, what are some of your off-season plans? Like, what have you been saying to yourself that you're going to do once the season's over? Um, laundry, uh, laundry, the dishes, yeah. um, nice. probably jog, on the lake. <laughs> jog on the lake. All, all the all the glorified stuff. I mean, what's your um, what's your wife been been bothering you to to actually do? Definitely laundry. <laughs> Maybe vacuum. Vacuum. All right. So we got some. We got a nice little list here for you. What about like in? What about like um, 
you know, personal improvement stuff. I, uh, are you the type of person that's always like, okay, this off season or this winter, I'm going to do this, this and this to make myself a better person. No, I try to be more realistic <laughs> in terms of what's actually going to get done. And also that like that type of stuff, um, you kind of just need to do it uh, whenever. Um, I mean, I guess I could go back to eating real meals uh, and not just uh, ordering a hundred dollars of takeout right before the playoff series starts and eating a bunch of leftovers for a, a three game uh, set. But, you know, frankly, I enjoyed that. If It's, it's going to be sad to walk away from that life. It, yeah, it is. I was going to cook last night because I had chicken. I had defrosted. And I'm like, I'm not going to want to cook. I, I got to like watch this game, which take, took seven hours and then write about it afterwards. So we ordered like I never do Grubhub or any delivery service because I just don't agree. I, I try to do it right from the restaurants always if I'm going to get delivery or I just pick yeah. it up. But I did get Grubhub because the place we wanted, my wife didn't want to drive to and I didn't want to drive. So we got some Greek, uh, nice little Greek meal delivered. So I went to good. I went to the restaurant Expensive. directly, and then they they like I don't know offloaded it to DoorDash randomly. Uh, I didn't yeah, know that, some places that do do that. Happens. Yeah, this place does too. Like they had a link to Grubhub on their web, on their website because I guess maybe they I don't know I don't I always thought that was like bad for restaurants, but I guess maybe in some cases if they don't get a lot of delivery, that it's just easy to offload it, so they don't right. have to employ a delivery driver. But it was expensive, man. Yeah, takeout so expensive. They non-tendered the delivery driver. They did, yeah. It's, uh, so I will be I'll be cooking chicken marsala tonight for me and the kids who, who surely enjoy a fancy chicken dinner at age ten and seven. Um, <laughs> they, they love when I use the the right amount of uh, marsala <laughs> marsala wine. Puts them to sleep. Um, all right, James, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure, because White Sox business never sleeps, and I believe we got a sponsor, so we probably have to. <laughs> White Sox business never sleeps, but you'll sleep after uh, one sip <laughs> from our sponsor. <laughs> exactly. Um, any any parting words? Any any words of wisdom? Maybe a favorite Rick Renteria quote or a favorite Eloy Jimenez quote to, to kind of close it off and, and put a bow on the season? Um, I guess I will, I will end it with a, a Tim Anderson quote after I tried unsuccessfully to ask a follow-up question about, um, just what he had tweaked mechanically, uh, that he did not want to talk about, um, which Tim responded by saying he didn't want to reveal it and then said, at least you tried. So 2020 White Sox, at least you tried. I think that wraps it up. Thanks to everyone for, for listening all season. Um, please like us, rate us, recommend us to your friends because we could always use more White Sox business. And remember, we have a $1 monthly promotion. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Southside. And if you do that, maybe James and I will get like credit for it and uh, our ARB numbers will go up. Thanks a lot for joining us.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.